Cypher sources may not be suitable for some listeners. The show contains strong language, mature content, and graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. finally doing an episode on black widows yep it's about time awesome i hope no one listening is afraid of spiders prepare yourselves for a wild ride into the world of a sweet little arachnid known no as... wait hold on what no not that kind of fucking black widow you don't black widow is in the murderer oh <laughs> well sorry <laughs> I guess we can talk about murdering old ladies. Well, all right, hold on. First of all, not all of them were old, you fucking ageist. And don't... Why am... Hold on. Why am I the one correct? Don't you mean murderous old ladies? We're not talking about killing old ladies. Well, per your little uh, sun-drunk friend, we're already politically incorrect, so might as well be ageist, too, while we're at it. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, if, if we're going for the personal shots, that's it. I'm signing off. I, I'm I'm not in the business of uh, losing my business. Can't afford that because uh, a certain someone can't play nice. So I'm out. I'm done. Adi fucking else. Come back. I'll play nice. Who am I kidding? <laughs> I heard that motherfucker. Then come back, you whiny bitch. Let's get on with it. <laughs> God. Fine. This is bullshit. Ugh. Sorry, there's a, a screaming child in the background. About to be screaming more after I punt it. Um, anyways, I'm back. And uh, before I intro the show, I would like to say that uh, anyone that really knows me should know that I'm not scared of cancel culture. So we don't care. Because we ain't even doing anything wrong. So, on that note, welcome back to the show, everybody! This is Cite Your Sources, and each week, your two favorite, or maybe not so favorite hosts, because um, no one really likes Charlie. Uh, who are you kidding? They probably love me far more than they do you. Uh, you're probably right. That's fine. I don't care. Anyways, we're your two favorite hosts, and we, <laughs> we get together... To discuss the murky details behind true crime, conspiracy theories, Daddy Alex Jones, the paranormal, more about Daddy Jones, uh, urban legends, and any rude, interesting, or offbeat topics that we come across. I am your favorite of the favorite hosts, your more favorite of the favorite hosts, Shelby, and uh, I just want to say that I am excusing myself from any nonsense that might come out of... My uh, my atrocious co-host's mouth. She uh, apparently can't help being rude, politically incorrect, and uh, an overall jerkbag. You're welcome. Oh <laughs> I always do what I can. I uh, welcome like, really back. Quick, though, like, have did we like seriously switch shoes for this episode? Because those Maybe. linguistic blunders, <laughs> I have never seen come from you. <laughs> 
Uh, welcome back, everyone. I am your resident jerkbag, Charlie, <laughs> and apparently we are going to be talking about murderesses today. And if anything, I've warned Shelby about being the problem child of the show. What? You're uh, the motherfucker. Regardless. All right, I'm I'm really done this time. I'm leaving. I think that every murderer we have talked about on the show so far has been a man. But per Shelby, that is not the case today. Dude, we literally just covered Eileen fucking Wuornos the past two weeks. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, we did. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think I I this I am formally into my brain. I am formally apologizing. It's either my weekly presence or doing the podcast that is causing serious damage to Charlie's IQ. I have never seen her fumble this much. Oh. And it's weird because so, I'm, like, I'm the one using all the big words this time. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Today we are going to discuss women who kill, but more specifically, a woman who, for whatever reason, had enough of her relationships and instead of breaking it off with a dear John, she decided to take a more drastic route murder if we that have time kind of we might adorable. get into another story with similar aspects a that was fucking adorable do it again b what the hell is a dear john a dear john is it's a term for when a woman writes a letter to her man to inform him that she's leaving him and it's usually that she's leaving him for another man but I think, I may be wrong, but I think the term has evolved to just mean that you are informing the other person that the relationship is over, like via letter. Is there such a thing as a dear Jane? And can that be like modernized to fit today's society? Because I've written some dear Jane letters via text message. <laughs> <laughs> That's just called fuckboy behavior. Um, wow. Anyway. All right. All right. So... Someone's not fucking playing nice this week. Being a fucking... Being, being a jerk. Anyways, whatever. At least Charlie's not being as mean as the women in this episode. Because they were so mean that <laughs> they, in fact, killed their fucking significant others. Which, I should note, I am keeping a very close eye on Charlie um, for this as well. To see if her boyfriend suddenly just goes missing. I got my eye on you. I've installed mm -hmm. cameras. You'll never find them. <laughs> <laughs> They're behind your eyes. If you kill him, it's automatically captured. There is no getting out of it. You're caught dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> Black Mirror episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we should probably start things off with uh, the woman who seems to m be the most famous for this type of crime, uh, a one Blanche Taylor Moore. And Blanche is, uh, she's an interesting character. Yeah, she's a pretty sneaky lady, like for sure. Oh, and also, what is it with terrible women having equally terrible names? First we had Clarnell, now we have Blanche. And I work What's with next? Charlie. Shelby? Oh, fucking ha! Ha! Got you right at the same time, motherfucker. And all, fuck, fuck you. I am named after a vintage car. How, how dare you? <laughs> I, need to, I need to take that fucking, 
what what's that girl's name? I'm just gonna take her. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so that fucking that that climate change chick, sixteen year old Swede. Oh, uh, Greta. Yes, Greta Thunberg. I'm just gonna put Greta Thun- Thunberg's voice. How dare you? <laughs> God. And actually, okay. No, anyway, I am not named after a vintage car. I'm actually just named after my dad and his dad, and so on and so forth. But that's besides the point. Oh well, whatever. People would probably think it was the car. They, dude, they um, always do. Anytime I say, "Oh, my name's Shelby," like, "Oh, I like the car," I'm like, "Yep." If that's gonna f- help you figure out how to fucking spell it, yes. <laughs> All right, anyways, so we have Blanche, a real rude bitch who is still (laughs) rotting in prison to this day. She is now the ripe old age of 87 and is still awaiting the death penalty. Although I think at this point, nature is just going to come to her before the needle works. Wow, Charlie. Wow. Am I wrong? I mean, you're no, you're not wrong. I mean... Maybe a little insensitive? You're throwing a little bit of ratchet in this episode. I like it. I like this side of you. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> a real rude oh. bitch. <laughs> insensitive. I don't even I don't even think I'm speaking with the real Shelby anymore. What did you do with him? Um I don't know. Why don't you go ask the vintage car? <laughs> I'm sorry. I I had a joke, but I lost it as I was trying to think. Like, uh, I'm not having a good night, everybody. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm 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 kidding. I I hope she's writing to fuck her. Um, so let's get on with her oh so lovely story. Um, Blanche was born in 1933 in. Alamance County, North Carolina, to uh, Flawny Blanche, maiden name Honeycutt, and Parker Kaiser. Wait, wait. Her mother's name was Flawny Blanche? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so there's just no hope for her from the very beginning. Like, Blanche is bad enough, but what in the hell is a Flawny? I am so confused. I don't know what to tell you, darling. That's just what folks was naming their kids back then. Oh, Jesus. As I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted, not naming names. Uh, yes, Blanche was born to a Flawny Blanche and a Parker Kaiser in North Carolina. Okay, you're <laughs> done with the accent. No, I am not. <laughs> you sound like the church ladies from <laughs> Key and Peel. <laughs> Let me tell you, honey. Anyways, Blanche was born in the great year of our Lord, 1933. Stop! (laughs) So her father was a jack-of-all-trades who spent time in various positions, which included millworking, being an ordained Baptist minister, and uh, even held a spot being in a horizontal position. Because, you know, he had a thing for most ladies who weren't his wife. Um, According to Blanche... (laughs) Uh, that just reminds me of a joke my dad always makes. Like, anytime he, he sees someone he hasn't seen in, like, a month or more, they're always like, oh, how's it going? And he's just like, I'm still vertical, so that's a good thing. I'm like, yeah, you go, Dad. Proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, my dad is vertical, and uh, Parker Kaiser is horizontal. So, good job. Um, but anyways, when he wasn't working... Uh, 
or wooing the local ladies. He was an alcoholic who had a knack for losing his money while gambling. Sounds like a real fucking Richard Kuklinski. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Blanche also spoke of her father forcing her into prostitution in order to pay for his gambling debts. Sounds like Eileen Yikes. Wardos. Yikes. Jesus. Um, yeah, no, definitely not great. But I would advise that we take her personal accounts of anything with a grain of salt. Yes, we're bringing back the grains of salt, people. Um, I'll get more into why I say that a little bit later. Um, so I couldn't find much more about her very early years aside from that. So I'm going to go ahead and just skip ahead to uh, when she got married at 19. So it is 1952. And uh, she married James Napoleon Taylor, who is a uh, a military veteran. Shelby, they don't even sound like this in North Carolina. <laughs> you do. Uh... I apologize to any listeners from North Carolina who are listening. <laughs> I'm not trying to emulate your accent. I am actually trying to. I do. I do need to be like in a, a better. Um like voice actor character actor whatever anyway yeah 1952 she married james napoleon taylor who was a military veteran and furniture restorer um the couple seemed okay for a while they even popped out two kids shortly after they were married but then uh, yeah, well things started to go a bit sour uh it appears that all was not well in the taylor household you see, Blanche had gotten herself a job as a cashier at the local uh, Kroger grocery store. And, uh, yeah, she had taken a liking to a man named Raymond Reed, who was the manager of the store at the time. And, well, wouldn't you know it, Blanche decided to try on a pair of her father's sordid shoes and began having an affair with Raymond. You know what they always say, like father, like daughter. <laughs> So, Blanche had kept up the ruse from uh, 1962, when she began seeing Reed behind her husband's back, uh, until her husband died in 1973, and it wasn't long after her husband's death that Blanche and Reed would start dating publicly. What a cold bitch! Oh, totally! Anyways, here's the thing. I didn't even get to the best part of this situation yet, so I've been saving some little details. Um, remember how I mentioned Blanche's husband died in 1973? Well, yeah. his cause of death was initially listed as a heart attack. Um, also, should be noted, her father, when he died in 1966, that was from an apparent heart attack as well. This is uh, just a little bit of important information to keep in the back of your mind for later on. So, let's see. Let me recap everything. Where are we? Um, oh, all right. So... Blanche's husband died of a supposed heart attack, and she and Raymond, uh, Raymond Reed, were dating. They continued dating up until 1985, when the relationship began to go stale, and uh, it looks like she may have started covertly dating a regional manager for Kroger, a man named Robert J. Hutton, uh, and she was doing this behind Raymond's back. Man, this lady was having all sorts of fun. <laughs> oh, I mean, it fucking looks like it. She definitely has a thing for men in positions of power. The manager wasn't enough, so now she's going for the regional manager. <laughs> fucking slanging and banging it up, Blanche. Proud of you. 
you you are officially endorsed by set your sources strictly for the slanging and banging, not for the murder. We do not condone murder on this show. Shame on you. <laughs> um, but in terms of the slanging and banging, sounds like another ex of mine. <laughs> Hi, Tiffany. Um. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Not only was Blanche seeing Hutton behind Reed's back, she had effectively ended that relationship when she filed a sexual harassment lawsuit uh, against him and Kroger in October of that very same year. Uh, The dispute was eventually settled out of court, ultimately in Blanche's favor, however, and uh, Hutton was forced to resign, and Kroger had paid her out $275,000. It was also during the same year that Blanche uh, began making fun claims about an unknown pervert who apparently set two fires outside her mobile home that had resulted in damage to the property. property. Uh, it was later speculated that she most likely just set the fires herself. There's a murder already. I've been waiting for this weirdo to snap the whole damn time. I'm getting to that. What exactly is your fucking problem today? I'm sleepy. And I'm hungry. I'm human. Is that enough reason? <laughs> no, that is not enough because I distinctly recall someone saying they were a demon. Tap into your fucking demon powers and wake up. <laughs> Light a fire under yourself if you have to. Go take like a boiling hot shot. I don't know what to tell you. All right. All right. Fine. Murder time. So Blanche was done with Hutton. Um, was still kind of sort of seeing Reed. And then decided that uh, she also wanted to start dating a divorced pastor of a local church by the name of Reverend Dwight Moore. So Blanche had a good reason this time to keep this relationship a secret, um, you know, because of the pending lawsuit against Kroger. So part of her lawsuit against Kroger was her insistence that she was, quote, completely alienated and antagonistic towards men, and has not been able to maintain any meaningful social contacts with the opposite sex, end quote. I really, really <laughs> do not like this woman. What a wretch. Yeah, yeah. She was being truthful about uh, part of that statement, though. I mean, she may not have alienated herself from men, but she was definitely antagonistic. Still waiting to hear about that part, though. All right, well, you're in luck, because we're about to jump into that right motherfucking now um while dating reed and moore at the same time uh blanche had made a strange request of moore she asked him to find her some arsenic-based ant killer and uh he he went out he, he got her what she wanted and in the spring of 1986 reed ended up becoming severely ill and would be uh would be hospitalized so reed would re- Reed would remain hospitalized. Um, I, I don't recall exactly for how long, but it was for like some semi-extended amount of time and uh, would end up dying later that year in October. So when Reed was first admitted, he was diagnosed with a case of shingles, but after his death, it was concluded by doctors that he had actually died of Guillain-Barre syndrome. I've never heard of this, so I looked up the definition and, quote, Guillain-Barre is a rapid onset muscle weakness caused by the immune system damaging the peripheral nervous system. 
Typically, both sides are involved, and the initial symptoms are changes in sensation or pain, often in the back, along with muscle weakness, uh, along with muscle weakness beginning in the feet and hands, often spreading to the arms and upper body. The symptoms may develop over hours to a few weeks. During the acute phase, the disorder can be life-threatening, with about 15% of people developing weakness of, uh, of the breathing muscles and therefore requiring mechanical ventilation. Some are affected by changes in the function of the autonomic nervous system, uh, which can lead to dangerous abnormalities in heart rate and blood pressure. Why did they say Damn. breathing muscles and not lungs? They're called fucking lungs. Uh, these are my seeing muscles these are my chewing muscles my smiling muscles this is my punching muscle this is my flip you off muscle Um, this is my stab muscle I can see I can see why they would have initially thought that his symptoms were from a bad case of shingles though what causes that that syndrome Um, so I actually don't know uh, from what I could find, the cause is unknown, but it is technically an autoimmune disorder. Um, it also looks like Blanche had a pattern. Um, so she waited until her first husband died before she began publicly dating Reed. And then after Reed's untimely demise, she began publicly dating the Reverend Moore. Um, you know, if, if you didn't catch on maybe like 10 minutes ago, she, she was already working on a pattern. Um, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't long after uh, that that they were scheduled to be wed, but uh, the wedding date had to be pushed out several times. Once, because Blanche had developed breast cancer in 1987, and then again in 1988 when Moore fell ill with a mysterious, um, I don't know if I said that right, with a mysterious intestinal ailment which required him to undergo two surgeries. Hmm. So, once 1989 came around, however, Moore and Blanche were finally married! Woo! However, the marriage was not destined to last. Within uh, days of returning from their honeymoon, Moore became ill and collapsed after eating a chicken sandwich that Blanche had given him from a fast food restaurant. So, Moore dealt with uh, the extreme symptoms... Um, you know, just at home for a few days. But the nausea and severe vomiting that he was experiencing would not abate. And uh, he was finally admitted to the hospital. Once at the hospital, Moore continued to get worse. He even reached the point of possible organ failure and death. But the doctors treating him were puzzled at the sudden turn of events with no apparent cause. When questioned... Blanche told the medical staff that Moore had been doing yard work uh, and that yard work included using an herbicide. Once they were given this information, the doctors ordered a toxicology screening and the results they found were surprising because Moore had almost 20 times the lethal dose of arsenic in his system. And even though he had such a baffling amount of deadly fucking poison coursing through his veins... He somehow survived, amazingly. But his marriage to Blanche was in big fucking trouble. 
I've been looking her up while you've been talking, so I want to jump in here if you don't mind. Um, yeah, please do, because I've just been fucking going. I'm getting tired. <laughs> My mouth hurts. Fol- <laughs> following up with what you just said, hell yeah, their marriage was in trouble. Not only was the marriage in trouble, but Blanche was about to be in some real legal trouble as well. Good. So Fuck once that, that <laughs> once that terrible toxicology report had been reviewed, the hospital notified the police as well as the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation. The police interviewed Moore while he was still in the hospital. And he advised them during the interview that Blanche's old boyfriend had died of Guillain-Barre syndrome. And that's when everybody started to put two and two together. And another detail that made Blanche look real bad is that she had attempted to make herself the primary beneficiary of Moore's pension, something that the investigators found highly suspicious. And after they found out these details, you know what was next on the checklist? What? Dead bodies! Oh, shit! (laughs) The authorities ordered that the bodies of Blanche's first husband, James Taylor, her boyfriend, Raymond Reed, and even her long-dead father, Parker Kaiser, be exhumed and examined. Autopsies were performed on all three bodies, and guess what they found, Shelby? Uh, I'm going to go with... um, What is foul play for a thousand? Ding, ding! Woo! I'm rich. <laughs> the, autop- <laughs> the autopsy reports on all three bodies showed elevated levels of arsenic. The levels of arsenic that were found in her father and boyfriend's bodies was determined to be fatal, and that led to their deaths being reclassified as due to arsenic poisoning. Blanche may have actually been caught earlier than this, but I found this um, little tidbit about it, this quote. Um It also emerged that doctors at Baptist Hospital, where Reed was admitted in 1986, had ordered a toxicology screen for him at that time. However, on the day the test came back, the resident responsible for caring for Reed rotated to another hospital, and the new resident never passed the results up the chain of command. Those results had shown an extremely high level of arsenic in Reed's system. All right, so hold on. Blanche... Killed her father. Blanche killed her first husband. Blanche killed her ex-boyfriend with poison food. And then went on to attempt to do the same thing to her second husband that she had just come back from a fucking honeymoon with. Cold-blooded. Check it and see. (laughs) Blanche is burning hell at thousand degrees. I know, though, right? Like, <laughs> there have been cases where I've read about a woman murdering her spouse because, you know, he was abusive and put her through hell. So eventually she just snaps and, you know, she kills him out of fear for her own life. And honestly, I get situations like 100%. that. But, but Blanche appears to have just been a goddamn monster. Uh, really greedy, too, trying to set up Moore's pension like that. I mean, that alone proves her guilt in my opinion oh yeah like for fucking sure like there's no way in hell that she didn't know exactly what the fuck she was doing fucking schemer and a piss poor one at that blanche if you want to learn how to really scam people my number will be posted cryptically in the episode description (laughs) 630-768-0995 call me anyway (laughs) so 
Now that those autopsy results had been reviewed and the pension situation was revealed, Blanche was in a whole Olympic pool's worth of hot water. You know what she did, though? She doubled down, and during her interrogations with police, she actually had the nerve, like, this is so great, she actually had the nerve to suggest that both Reed and Moore had been depressed and were probably poisoning themselves intentionally with the arsenic. Oh, give me a fucking break. I'll tell you exactly. These are men. I will tell you exactly how they're going to kill themselves. Car crash, bullet, or rope. Yeah, that's, they're, just, that's, they're just like slowly killing themselves right. and no, just like, dragging it out, gonna, making the suffering worse. <laughs> we're going to kill ourselves. We're going to just fucking do it. We're not going to like, all right, today we're doing a quarter teaspoon of poison and then maybe tomorrow we'll go up to a quarter and a half. Like, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. <laughs> and needless to say, no one believed that little insinuation and Blanche was promptly arrested in July of 1989. Her charges were first-degree murder in the deaths of Reed and Taylor, and she was also charged with assault with a deadly weapon for the poisoning of Moore. I think she should have gotten charged with attempted murder for poisoning Moore, but that's just my two sons. Um, Blanche's case eventually went to trial in October of 1990, In the case of Reed's death, she vehemently denied giving him any poisoned food, but over 50 witnesses were brought forth who claimed to have seen Blanche bring food into the hospital. Fucking lying bitch! So, yeah, that denial didn't work out for her. The case didn't drag on for too long, though, because it would only be a little over a month later that she would be sentenced to death by lethal injection per the jury's recommendation of the death penalty. Blanche Taylor Moore is now 87 years old and is still awaiting the death penalty at the North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women, and she maintains her innocence to this day. So, sounds like the uh, the only death penalty she'll be receiving is the one that nature's going to give her, like you said earlier. <laughs> I mean, basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, oh, what? Real quick, something I wanted to add to that. I forgot to put it in my notes. Um, So she has been the subject of a couple of lawsuits or cases. um, And she's trying, you know, like continuously to have her death penalty overturned and just let her live out her life in prison. And more, her ex-husband, the one who, you know, survived her marriage with her um i'm not sure if he's still alive but it was sometime back in the earlier 2000s where you know he was asked what he thought about her trying to overturn the death conviction and he said that he had no problem with her trying to do that i just thought that was interesting i mean i kind of feel like that's in line because he is a reverend so yeah, but a lot of them are fire brimstone, eye for an eye people. Oh, that's true. Hmm. You know. I mean, and plus, just take him out of his job for a second. Um, he's still a person, you know, and she put him through hell, literally. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, that... I, I was just surprised that that was his feeling on the matter. Yeah. I mean, I like I'm, I am well aware that a lot of them are the, you know, black and white, fire and brimstone, eye for an eye type. Um, I have come across a few people that, like, aren't really like that, so 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna classify him as one of the anomalies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, like death penalty or not, um, you know she's she's away from the public, can't hand out any more of her fucking special arsenic sandwiches. So I I guess that's a win, and uh, it, it's it's a little unfortunate that uh, Blanche doesn't have a super long story. Um, so I do want to bring up a couple smaller cases regarding other women who killed their partners. Oh, can I start that one? Yes. I found a couple of murdering old ladies from California. Murderous. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> uh, apparently some resources going on a murdering old ladies for everybody. <laughs> Just, we're coming for you, grandmas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like go go out, go right on ahead. I think uh, we probably have the same pair to talk about. Yeah, so I found a story about two women named Helen Golay and Olga Ruderschmidt. Yep, yep, that's who I found. <laughs> okay, great. So these lovely ladies were both born in the early 1930s with Golay being born in the state of Texas and Rutter Schmidt being a Hungarian immigrant who moved to the States in the late 1950s. The two women melt. Uh, <laughs> the two women met at a local health club and quickly became friends once they realized that they both had a very intense interest in making money. Now, after this realization happened, they didn't put their heads together to start a brick-and-mortar boutique. They uh, combined their collective energy and time to devise schemes that would make them money easily and quickly, uh, also known as crime. Also known as Shelby's past life. <laughs> <laughs> I, how did I know you were going to say crime? I don't know. We tend to talk about like really pleasant, feel good topics. So Since fucking I'm when? I'm not sure where you got that idea. <laughs> we, we talk about serial killers and urban legends. <laughs> this, on, on this week's episode, gather around. Children. What people We're... find pleasant is uh, subjective. True, true. It's uh, check out Clarnell Kemper's books. Dear God, why am I gay? It's me, Ed. God. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate on the type of business that they decided to go into? Uh, yeah. Did you, did you ask me that? Cause I'm a, I'm an aspiring business person. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Anyways, so as Charlie advised, uh, these two women were not interested in starting a legitimate business. They were interested in quick, easy money. And per an article that I found from medium.com, they had, quote, uh, perpetrated a string of bogus slip-and-fall type lawsuits against various businesses. They would also hang out at expensive hotels, posing as guests, and uh, would flirt with wealthy men. They would string the men along, angling for, you know, expensive dinners and gifts, and in some cases, would outright, outright rob them, end quote. <laughs> okay. Hold up real quick. I know our listeners can't see what I'm seeing, but if they care to Google, uh, I just don't understand how they were able to pull off the schemes with the wealthy guys. Um, these women weren't exactly lookers, 
And before anyone tells me I'm mean, I am, but that's besides the no, point. No, no, hold on. I'm, I'm I... looking them up. I'm, I'm trying to find pictures from like the 70s because I'm looking at them now and like this. All right. Helen Goulet looks like a fucking reptilian. Like full send, no cap. And Olga's just scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I just would have thought that you'd need to really be blessed with decent physical attractiveness. Actually, I mean, hold on. I want to make a quick comment. Because this, even to this day, this baffles me. And I am a guy. Shit <laughs> like this throws me for such a fucking loop. Because it really just exposes that men will try to get with anything. It is, <laughs> it is absurd. And I am ashamed that I am subjected to be lumped in with that. I have standards, sir. Yeah, you know what, though? These two had a penchant. Like, they had a knack for being able to pick out, like, the weak person in a group. Oh, like the the gullible easy target? Right. Gotcha. So they go after the guy who looks really bored or single or, you know what I mean? Like, or the dude who looks lonely and, like, he wants to talk to someone. That's fair. I looked like that at one point. Um, but yeah, uh, what was I going to say? I think that maybe there is. Yeah, but I mean, if if they can do it, if they can do it, more power to them. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe I, maybe I can quit my my day job. This sounds like way more fun than dealing with Excel all day. Um, a, I don't think boyfriend is gonna like that. But B, if you want to quit your day job, that's fine. But like, you can't quit the show, not yet. <laughs> I'm not. Just let a girl dream. <laughs> continue, please. Um. Oh, I'll continue because you know what fucking Hella, uh, Helen and Olga were doing. What? Slanging and banging, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Slanging and banging, all up in and around spring jinks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, you know what, uh, all they really wanted was big money, Uh, like big money. And, uh, apparently there wasn't much that would stand in the way of them accomplishing that goal, including, you know, maybe, uh, killing a few people in the process. Um, (laughs) you mean they didn't create a vision board and just manifest what they wanted? (laughs) They actually planned and put forth effort to accomplish their dreams. I mean, if that's what you—if wow. that's what you want to call it, then sure. I mean, that's what I like to hear. I cannot stand lazy people. I mean, uh, hey, if they're making you know mind maps or whatever the fuck they're called, you know, whatever. And you know, in in completely related news, Charlie's a terrible fucking human being. <laughs> and I I don't know maybe. Between you and I, listeners, I, I blacked out Charlie from hearing me for a second. Maybe I will just let her quit and follow her dreams. Why? Why? You are such a supportive friend, <laughs> truly a treasure. <laughs> you didn't block me from shit. No, I just want to finish this episode and get back into the story. But I keep getting interrupted with your bullshit. I am sensing some hostility here. I have some high quality uh, arsenic available if you are needing a pick me up. I have some high-quality fucking brass and lead available if you were needing to pick some up. (laughs) (laughs) I got 13 plus one reasons why I wish a bitch would. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but anyways, if that wasn't incriminating, I don't know what is. You've heard it here. If anything happens to me or Charlie, you know it was either one of us that did it to the other. Um, it was it was Charlie. She's framing me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before I die, Charlie's Charlie's trying to slide me a tea. I'm not drinking it. Um, but before I die, I'm gonna finish the story. Like I said earlier, uh, oh, that's tea, that tea smells really good. I might have to taste test this tea, everybody. Um, so <laughs> Helen and Olga were looking to make, you know, again, big money. Uh, they had grown tired of being deceitful to rich dudes and uh, decided to take a different route. So in the late 1990s, I want to say it was like 1997. Of, of course it was fucking 97. That's when my younger sister was born, that bitch. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Dakota. <laughs> Anyways, 97, uh, they began going out of their way to help homeless men. And uh, they did this by getting acquainted with homeless men who specifically did not have any family and would give the men a home to live in, you know, for free. Uh, the homes were apartments that Helen had owned and rented. Um, the women would pay all of their bills, and essentially they would just take overall care of them. Um, all that Helen and Olga required in exchange was the signing of a few papers that... Uh, Included some key personal information. Yeah, key pieces like date of birth and social security number, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I've posted my social security number on Facebook, so. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but the first man that they did this to was a guy named Paul Vados. Um, he was 71 years old when he first started accepting, you know, that help uh, from Helen and Olga. And Vados was a, a Hungarian immigrant who unfortunately found himself homeless and in a desperate need of help. The women had met Vados at Hollywood Presbyterian Church, and it was there that they had approached him with their offer of assistance. They spent the next two years providing Vados with an apartment, they paid all of his bills, and they took general care of him because he was suffering from some health problems. Well, this sounds like a really nice bunch of ladies. I don't see the problem here. Uh, the fucking problem, Charlie, is, as you should well know, most nice things in life are rarely free. And while they were, you know, were taking care of Vados, they were simultaneously taking out life insurance policies on him, you know, both together and separately. Worse, though, is that uh, not only were they making arrangements that would benefit them in the event of his death, they were also making arrangements to cause his death. So that they could reap said benefits, and quickly. And there it is. Yep. Whoop. There it is. Vados would end up being found dead in a fucking alley in 1999. By all appearances, was the uh, the victim of a hit and run. And after Vados' death, Helen and Olga got pissed because they found out that uh, the eight separate life insurance policies that they had on him would take over a year to be paid out. However, not so easily defeated, the women threatened to sue the insurance company and they eventually settled for uh, a, a, a modest sum of $600,000. <laughs> Jesus. Charlie, I need your mother's maiden name, your date of birth... 
No. Your driver's license number and a copy no. of your social. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't worry. I will make it painless. I won't it won't be yeah. hit and run. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, actually you did that thing. It would go to your boyfriend, not to me. Damn. That's unfortunate. Yep. Um That's unfortunate. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, shit. All right. So, yeah, Helga, H- Helen and Olga, not Helga, Helen and Olga get $600,000. Um, so it looks like they finally made it to the big time. But uh, being the gluttonous women that they were, they still weren't satisfied. So they ended up taking in another homeless man in 2003. And this guy's name was Kenneth McDavid. And just as they did with Vados. Um, he accepted the help, um, you know, Helen and Olga, uh, from Helen and Olga, uh, after providing them with the paperwork that they had requested and Helen and Olga proceeded to take care of McDavid and unbeknownst to him, they once again began taking out life insurance policies in rapid succession. And just like Vados, McDavid was the victim of an apparent hit and run a few years later. You don't fucking say. <laughs> yeah. Also, just to show exactly how greedy these women were, I found this quote from Wikipedia. (laughs) It says, um, from November 2002 to March 2003, Gole and Ritterschmidt took out a total of 13 policies on McDavid. What? I did this This the second time. (laughs) On McDavid that totaled... uh, Am I reading that? 3.7 million. million. What the? Yeah. (laughs) 3,700,000 dollars. 3.7 million dollars. On the various insurance applications, Gole and Ruderschmidt were listed as McDavid's business partner, cousin, or fiance. End quote. Um, Why would they list as Their good luck was about to run out, though. Were they down in the south? I don't know. The LAPD was on to them, and while they didn't yet have enough evidence to try to get them for murder, they were able to get them on mail fraud. The multiple falsified insurance documents that they had been sending in the mail had finally raised some eyebrows. Once the police were able to gain access to their houses, it was over. There was so much evidence in the form of paperwork um, and Helen's bookkeeping, Uh, that they were able to point to them as the perpetrators of the murders of Vados and McDavid. And something I found kind of funny is that while the women were in jail awaiting their trial for murder, they weren't smart enough to realize that their conversations were being privately recorded. Oh, my God. And this (laughs) worked out in the prosecution's favor because they were able to use these recordings as evidence. Um. This is why I was laughing. In one of the conversations, Olga is recorded as saying to Helen, quote, you did all these insurances extra. That's what raised the suspicion. You can't do that. Stupidity. You're going to jail, honey. They're going to lock you up. Oh, my God. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> also, I would like oh. to make a note really quick. Don't keep a fucking ledger. I learned that lesson the hard way as well. 
Oh, and I also found one last quote regarding their uh, ultimate conviction and sentencing. Um, both Gole and Ruder Schmidt were convicted in Los Angeles, California in April 2008 of conspiracy to murder Vados and McDavid and of the first degree murder of Vados. Gole was convicted of the first degree murder of McDavid. Both women were sentenced to consecutive life terms in California federal prison without possibility of parole. That's you. The wah, wah. Oh. You, oh you, my God. you read my part by accident. The yellow. Sc- <laughs> I read yours? Yeah, it's okay. I don't mind. I, w- I was supposed to oh. do the last quote, but. Well, then you say wah, wah, and then just continue on. Okay. Womp, womp. But, uh, <laughs> womp, womp. There we go. That's the sound I was looking for. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's it for our episode on, uh, some Black Widow murderers, everybody. Um, we apologize that this one's a little bit short. There, uh, like we said during the recording, there wasn't a whole lot of information, but, uh, they were fun stories nonetheless. So, that being said, if you'd like to follow the show and, uh, keep up to date on everything, you can find us on all social media at CYS Podcast. And if you would like to show some extra support for Charlie and I, please be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash podcast. We currently have new tiers available. Um, we are coming out with bonus content, bonus episodes, and uh, they're really good. They're, they're shorter, but they're really good. And if you have any corrections or additional details you'd like to offer on this episode, please reach out to us at cyspod at gmail.com and include your source material so we may reference it. And we're called Cite Your Sources for a reason. Um, if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at charlie underscore cys. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at shelbatron underscore one, S-H-E-L-B-A-T-R-O-N underscore O-N-E. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Stay weird and creepy. Good night. Beware the Black Widow. They're going to kill you and steal your money.